0: Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Hello. Ultra. Park. Uh,
1: walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it. Walk it like I talk it. Woo. Walk it like I talk it. You. Yeah. Walk it like I walk walk it like a it. walk it walk it like I Walk it like a it. Hey walk it like walk it walk Hey it, walk welcome it to the like rundown we are back I am your host BJ Evans happy to be back in the studio on this gray cold rainy day I'm here with my co-host Elizabeth Crassounis
0: Hi good morning
1: hi and our producer Mark Pagan Good morning Good morning Mark and we have special guests in the studio today Katie Rubin of Theater the Oppressed NYC. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here. And it is a cold, gray, rainy day. And we are all, dare I say, a little bit wet. (laughs) Yes, I think we We are. are. Yes. Yes. So thank you all for being here. I'm so excited to talk about Theater of the Oppressed NYC. We have a performance coming up on Wednesday. Today is Monday, we have, it's coming up on Wednesday, April 18th, at six o'clock. Yosos, which is Youth Organizing to Save Our Streets, has a performance in conjunction with Theater of the Oppressed NYC. And before I go too much further into that, again, that's on Wednesday at six o'clock, Katie, you run Theater of the Oppressed NYC, you're the executive director, and when I talk at BRIC and when I talk to my friends about this really awesome thing coming up on Wednesday, I'm so excited about it, I'm such a champion, I get this all the time, what is that? What does that mean? Uh, Often it's shortened T-O-N-Y-C, and people are constantly like, what's Tony's? <laughs> so can you give us the the basic? What is Theater
2: of the Oppressed? Mm-hmm. Theater of the Oppressed is a tool that um, came from Brazil in the 1960s and 70s, founded by an artist and activist named Augusto Boal, and... Um, How he came up with the theater of the oppressed is a long story, Um, but and you might know Pedagogy of the Oppressed by uh, Paulo Freire. Uh, The the idea was to create um, a new way of bringing to light social problems and then trying to get creative about solving them directly from the voice and the experience of the people who are facing the problem. Um, And using theater, which impacts us in an emotional, uh, you know, kind of gut personal way to get lots and lots of stakeholders involved together in addressing problems um, that are affecting all of us here in New York City. And it's used around the world. So we started Theater of the Oppressed NYC um, in 2011. Uh, I'm the founder, and we have grown this organization over the last seven-plus years. And what we do is we partner with community groups, uh, social service agencies, city agencies sometimes, um, particularly with New Yorkers who are facing homelessness, New Yorkers who are experiencing injustice in the criminal justice system, immigrants, um, people living with HIV and AIDS and other urgent health crises, and... um, and young people, uh, in this case with the OSOS, who are fighting gun violence um, and working um, to build uh, and support their community. Um, and though all those communities, they form troops with us who build plays based on their stories. So they identify an issue that they want to come together around. They build a play um, based on their lived experiences, and then they take them to Audiences like here at Brick always free shows, um, and the 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 key, the magic ingredient of theater of the oppressed is that there's not just a show, but there is what we call a forum, where the audience is uh, not just an audience anymore, not just spectators, but spect actors, because they're invited to identify the problems, so speak about what they saw in the play, and then actually get up on stage and try out new ideas, new interventions to address the problem, and then all together, the actors, the audiences who might be impacting or impacted by these problems in all different ways, uh, analyze the new ideas and think about what they would need to put in place um, to make these happen. And they know that they've now rehearsed them in real time and are ready to take these actions outside. So we call it a rehearsal for reality uh, sometimes.
1: So let me make sure I understand and everybody listening does. The people in the audience are actually going
2: up on stage are they asked to go up on stage and start acting absolutely absolutely and you know we we say that everyone is an actor because everyone needs to take action in their own life so there's no such thing as an an actor and a and a non-actor Um, And, you know, this is we're giving a little preview because often the audience doesn't know when they come, even though we say it, that it's interactive and we call it a forum, which implies interaction. They don't know. And then, you know, we talk about the problems and then we have them talk about ideas. And then we say, who wants to get on stage and try one? And everyone goes,
1: (gasps) I imagine Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you get someone to come up on stage? You, I imagine, have a lot of people who are like, how how do you even start to engage that process? Just as an audience person, I can't imagine being willing to do that.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, Part of it is is how we make the play. So USOS has been working um, with our facilitators. There are three facilitators in this group, um, and two of them are actually young people who were with our USOS troop last year and are now on our staff, staff facilitators. We call them jokers. Um, so the jokers have to be trained to help make the play really, really clear so that the audience is really kind of angry and activated by the issue. That's the first way.. Okay. And then second, they have to be really engaging and both fun and, um, you know, commanding about the audience interacting. and we we we, you know, set it up so that the audience thinks about their own relationship to these problems. So it might be gun violence, which um, a lot of us have a relationship to right now in different ways. Right. In this play, it's also about uh, problems with teachers, problem uh, you know, oppression faced with by parents, other authority figures outside. Uh, of in their lives and many of us have interacted with these kinds of oppressions in our own lives. So when I'm thinking about it personally and then I'm asked will I get up on stage Right. so sometimes we do say to the audience if you don't get up on stage right now we're saying that we're all okay with these problems going on the way that you see them here. So there's a little bit of a, of a guilt trip um, <laughs> but for a good cause. That,
1: that's very effective I would imagine. <laughs> so you're setting up scenarios where people are probably getting really impassioned about it even as they're watching and possibly that feeling of impassion of passion makes them want to speak out and want to say something and want to engage with it it sounds like absolutely and so when they get up on stage the the actors from the audience the spectators do they are they improvising their part of the scene are they embodying a new character are they replacing a character
2: like how do they fit into the play at that mm-hmm. point So they are invited to get up as the protagonist, and sometimes as one of the protagonist's allies. A lot of people, let's say the problem is with a teacher being oppressive, a lot of people want to replace the teacher. um, Because if we just make the teacher nice, then we'll solve the problem. But we call that magic, Mm. um, which we, for this purpose, we don't really believe in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, it would be great if we could make all the teachers nice. (laughs) Right, exactly, the
2: (laughs) teachers, or the police officers, or wherever we're experiencing oppression, we see in the play that those are the people who who don't really want the situation to change. So we can't assume that they would change the way we want them to. It's the people who are facing the problem, the protagonists who are asking for a change. So we can only enter as those characters or as their allies. And a lot of times audience members do see themselves as allies, as passive allies who might be seeing something on the street and need to practice how to step up um, and be an upstander, as they call it. Not just oh, a bystander. Like that. yeah, yeah,
1: that's the first time I've heard that. Thank you. Yeah,
2: hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh, a reminder. Yeah. to stand up. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So those are the restrictions. And then we also say that whatever is true for the character. So if you're a young person of color, 17 years old, you have to bring. We can't then bring some other privilege or some, you know, other privilege of age or race, or class, or neighborhood, or whatever it is, into the scene. We have to deal with the reality of the scene as it is. And we, the audience, have to look and hold that idea accountable to what's going on in the scene as it really is.
1: Mm, I see. And you said earlier that that action, it's a rehearsal for reality. I've also heard it called a rehearsal for the revolution. Mm -hmm. And have you gotten feedback or talked to people after the fact, the ones who do step in and do... Become the actor, the spectator, and talk about it. Do they then? Do they feel more empowered to step into situations later? Is it actually a rehearsal for reality or for the revolution? Tell me about the feedback you've received.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the the actors who made these s- stories and and who have lived these experiences often get ideas from their peers in the audience to try things that they just weren't able to see. Right? We call it the you know we're activating the collective creativity. We it's not that I'm failing at what I'm trying to do, but in I, I need to be able to see it and reflect on it and then enter into it in order to try something different and have my my peers who have different experiences try something and, and then I get so many new ideas. But also the audience members, a lot of times what we see is that people actually are sometimes that oppressive teacher or that oppressive parent, and they then realize that they can be the antagonist in that scene and they didn't see that before. And then they change their behavior or they're a bystander and not an upstander in a situation happening on the street. That's very common. Um, And I'm sure you're going to, we're going to get to this, but we believe that change happens on several levels. So sometimes we take it from the individual, interpersonal, or even community level to the policy level when we have to go that extra step.
1: Yes. And I do want to talk about that extra step because we did this last year and you do it a lot before and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you call it then legislative theater when it takes that extra step. And so I watched and I saw the spectators actors come up on stage, the audience come up on stage. And then after the play, after the scene played out a few times with different people coming in as protagonists, you then have had council people there and policymakers there and leaders from different community organizations there. And we took a break. There was a like entertainment that was really fun. And we took a break. And there was this intense conversation happening off to the side. Tell me about that extra step and what was happening there.
2: Yeah. And so uh, that's right. Legislative theater um, is where we say, you know. Um, we've tried what we can do interpersonally. We've tried what we can do as community organizing. And, we, and what we see is the gap between what we can do here between two people to get what we need. We call that policy. So we need to change the rules or the structures um, of what happens in the city or in city agencies and in institutions in order to Achieve our human rights um, as as the story in the play is showing. So before that intermission that you talked about where the conversation was going on with the policymakers and the advocates and the lawyers and the experts and the organizers, the audience actually got to write down on cards policy ideas that they wanted to see inspired by the play and by the interventions that other spectators had done on stage. Mm. So We had, I don't know, 150 people there and 150 policy ideas were proposed to address the school to prison pipeline and the effect of trauma uh, in schools on young people um, that was being shown in the play. And then, as you said, they were sorted by all these policymakers. And then at the end, we held a vote on the three kind of most popular, most innovative ideas. And then we, with all those partner organizations, take action on those ideas um, to push them forward. And there has been um, some interesting progress on those and from other legislative theater festivals. So um, that's what we do um uh, with legislative theater. Yeah. That's
1: extraordinary. And I love the the taking the word bystander and moving it into upstander. And there's an equivalent happening here that I don't have a word for of how I do believe theater is very emotional and Activist and can activate people in many ways and you are taking it a step even further of like, yes, theater can activate people, theater can transform and transport and it affects us in many ways and you're taking it that one step further to actually talk to council people, to actually try to get some policy changes based on that activist feeling and I don't have a word for it. It's like, you've moved theater from the bystander to the upstander, whatever the equivalent is Mm -hmm. and I think it's extraordinary to watch and um, I so appreciate what you do, and I hope everyone listening will come out and support Wednesday at six o'clock at Brick. That is Wednesday the eighteenth. Um, before we we go on to talk about what else is coming up, just uh, is there anything, Katie, that you want to add or to say that I haven't asked that you want to tell us about what you do tangentially or with ToNYC?
2: Well, I'll just add that um, we this year we're we're doing mini-legislative theater all the time. So even at this performance... Um, which, by the way, we'll also have a piece from Urban Arts Beat. It's a showcase of all the work that um Yo youth have been doing. This. Oh, terrific. Yeah, so there'll be a media piece as well as our forum play, which will be awesome. Oh, terrific. Yeah, and we're going to have some other organizations tabling there. So we're always thinking about advocacy and issues as they relate to the play. So, for instance, Girls for Gender Equity will be there, and they'll have the opportunity for folks to sign postcards that we're sending to the Department of Education to try to get the current uh, federal government to uphold standards that President Obama put in place um, for um, school discipline policies, trying to reform and improve school discipline policies. So we are supporting that effort by bringing them there, getting folks to sign postcards at this show, at another show that U.S. will have next Monday at Repair the World in Crown Heights, and then delivering those postcards um, back to Girls for Gender Equity. Um, And you may last thing is that you may see this troupe some of the young people there's a lot of young women in particular in this troupe um, and this year later this year we're doing a legislative theater event that's just girls and young women and non-binary folks of color uh, under 25 who are going to be addressing gender justice racial justice and education justice um, so they are preparing now and they're this this play and Previous plays will uh, evolve into working on policy uh, led by young women of color. So um, that's a little sneak preview. Thank you for that.
1: Such great work. Thank you for starting this organization, for the work that you do, for how many folks and organizations you bring into your circle, and thank you for being here at Brick. We're really lucky to have you.
2: Thanks. We're excited.
1: Elizabeth, do you have any burning questions for Katie? As you, are, I know that Theater of the press is a little bit new for you, which is it's probably new for a lot of people, but do you have any questions?
0: Um, You know, just learning about, you know, you mentioned the various other organizations you work with for HIV and AIDS and, um, you know, homelessness, and I was just wondering if there was any sincere time, you know, having founded The of the Oppressed um, in New York, was there any particular memory you have of a, a performance that was really powerful and any, you know, great or meaningful change that came from the performance?
2: That's a great question. Um, there's a, a lot. Yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I would say um, one one memory uh, is f- also from last year, Legislative Theater, but a performance we did at University Settlement with a group of adults who have experienced homelessness and housing insecurity. And that event was to impact the cultural plan, which you all probably know yes, about. Yeah. Yes,
1: deeply acquainted
2: with that. Mm-hmm. And University Settlement, they're partners and friends of ours, too. Right. Um, And so the council member, Steve Levin, who was one of the sponsors of the cultural plan and the commissioner of the Department of Cultural Affairs was there. And they asked us to influence the cultural plan with this legislative theater event. And the theme of the event of the play was homeless New Yorkers and their access to culture and participating in culture. So equity um, in like the cultural space for being artists, not just seeing art, but you know, accessing space, being artists for homeless and housing insecure New Yorkers. And then we did the legislative theater process. We proposed some ideas, which did make it into the cultural plan. And we heard back from the Department of Cultural Affairs that this was um, pretty much or the most effective community engagement um, process they had had. And they had to do a lot of community engagement over the year um, to really get the idea, hold the the decision makers accountable to the experience and the ideas of the community um so that was very powerful yeah
0: it sounds like it was probably really rewarding to probably having moments like that yeah um just you know really solidify with the work you do which is great
1: congratulations That's, yeah, extraordinary. And so you are like keeping tabs on things. Mm -hmm, You like mm -hmm. check in with folks. Yeah, absolutely. And we last year
2: uh, in December, actually a few months ago, we published a report on the impact of legislative theater in New York City over the last five years. You can find it on our website where we track all the policies that came out of all the legislative theater we've done since 2013 and what has happened. And we interviewed the legislators, council members, actors who've participated and the impacts on them on civic engagement and participation um, and getting input from the community. Um, So you can read more about that online. Our website is uh, just www.tonyc.nyc. Fabulous. Thank you.
1: So get involved. Come out to Brick on April 18th at 6. See the legislative theater process, the mini legislative theater process, and go out and see TONYC and everything else they're doing. They're constantly doing things. I follow your social media, and you are always, always active. So there are lots of ways to get involved. What else is coming up, Elizabeth? We have the Open Festival?
0: We do. So that will be in a couple weeks. It'll be the 26th to the 29th. Um, it'll be a lot of... Art, music, dance, um, lectures. Um, So, yeah, that'll be the entire weekend from the 26th to 29th. And then in just about two weeks, we'll be announcing our Celebrate Brooklyn Summer Festival. So we're in a little bit of a transition period right now, um, but we do have some exciting things coming up.
1: Thank you. Katie, do you ever come out to see the summer concerts? Oh, all the time. Oh, great. All the time.
0: Okay. Probably, uh,
2: I don't know, eight every summer or no something. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, we live in all Flatbush, right. and it's yeah. free, and yeah. we have a baby, and it's great. Walk so <laughs> over. Terrific. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mark, I realize that I haven't checked in with you. What do you think of this theater, The Oppressed NYC? Are you familiar with it? Have you ever heard of it? I have. Yeah. Okay. We
3: actually, we were... We were really inspired when I first started working here to try something with the libraries in terms of uh, some of the. We have a guy here who's a, our specialist in adult education. He wasn't at the time, he was just one of our instructors. His name was Liam Billingham. And he's really, oh, yeah. yeah, he's really inspired by Theater of the Press. And he's like, we should do this in the libraries somehow with media education. So it didn't go anywhere, but um, I had. I sort of had a rough understanding of it until I talked to him. Um, I haven't seen anything in New York yet. It's constantly on my calendar. Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm also trepidatious about getting up on stage. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's a great a challenge. There's got to be a way to not get on stage. Well, yeah.
2: not everyone in the audience does get up, but everyone is called upon, is yeah. invited. But you don't You don't have to get up. Yes, that's right. Yeah. See, there you go. There it yeah. is.
3: But, yeah, yeah, I, I find it really inspiring, and uh, I'd like to see it in action. So you'll see me there soon.
2: Great. Yeah. Terrific.
1: And that reminds me that Liam has been emailing me and talking to me every now and then. He'll bring it up <clears throat> again and be like, what should we do? What else should we do with T-O-N-Y-C? How, should we, let's get a workshop <laughs> here. And it just reminded me that I should connect the two of you or all three of us and make something happen. Yeah. Um, so uh elizabeth what is there anything else that i'm missing should we move on to our question of the day
0: i think we covered all right
1: katie thanks for being here thank you elizabeth always closes us out with a personal question of the day what is it today
0: well now that it's a dreary monday morning it was beautiful on saturday so i just wanted to see what people did over the weekend if you did anything fun
2: um, Yeah, I um, I guess I did. Uh, <laughs> I've I've become a little obsessed with Zumba. I I mean maybe that makes me a middle aged lady, but it's like um, the most fun place, maybe other than a forum play that I've ever been. Like everyone's having fun, and it at the Y it's super diverse. There's really old people. And the one I went to go to in Flatbush, it's family Zumba. And some people bring their little kids. So my toddler went um, and she did Zumba for 10 minutes and then sat and watched Sesame (laughs) Street on my phone for the next 45 minutes. But um, that was pretty fun. And people get a kick out of that. That is so cute.
1: A toddler doing Zumba. Can I also admit that when you said Zumba, I first thought you said... Not that you said Roomba, but my mind went straight to Roomba. Isn't that the thing that that vacuums, the robot that vacuums? (laughs) You definitely said Zumba, but my brain went like, wow, she's Hmm. really into robot vacuums. Okay, okay. Absolutely not. I am not into that. (laughs) Zumba with a toddler sounds like way more fun than a robot vacuum. Yeah, that was fun.
0: (laughs) And I actually think there's been talk about sometimes we do – like exercise classes for Brick employees at Brick. And oh, people yeah. have mentions yeah. trying to get Zumba. Mm. So if we have it here, we'll let you, you know. You should bring yeah. kids in
1: because it's like really cute to yeah, watch I'm them sure. dance. It's such a good idea. Yeah. Well, there's yoga in the gallery right. in the summer. I've been to that. Have with you? With a live musician. Yeah. Yeah. On the Fridays. Cool. How that was amazing. You, how would you feel about that experience being Zumba instead? I mean,
2: that would be so fun. Okay. It's like music and, you know, dancing. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. What's not to love? What's not to love? Yeah dancing music toddlers or robot vacuums.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, what did you do this weekend?
3: Um, well I got some sunshine, but I this is so small. I had I haven't had a I like Sunday morning rituals and one of them is um especially if my girlfriend is over, wake up, make coffee, stay in bed and then on the phone watch SNL clips from the night before (laughs) and we did that and ate leftover matzah and Easter candy and it was divine I was like this is heaven Uh. and just like crumbs everywhere wow and it was really the clips are really good like it was a really funny episode and the coffee was great and we just we've been traveling or have had there was the holiday weekend before. We had to run to New Jersey and then Upper East Side, and so it was like it was like, oh, we don't have anywhere to be, and so just you know, opened the shades and just hung out. It was it was great. It was great, great, great.
1: Yeah, I can yeah. see the ecstasy even on your face as you're reliving the like nowhere to be. Yeah. And I love the intersectionality of matzah and Easter candy. Interesting combination. Yeah, it was. It I've was heard so about indulgent. a lot of
2: matzah Easter Easter candy uh, parties. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not only yours. Yeah, other ones. It was the same weekend, right? So yeah, everyone brought the. The eggs and the yeah.
3: I highly recommend. It. We were in California last weekend, so we still have like all this leftover stuff. So it's like let's do it. Let's just <laughs> let's just consume all of it. It was great. Yeah.
1: That delights me. Yeah. Um, I went to a three year old's birthday party this weekend. Oh. It nice. was a monster party. Wow. And so there were monster crafts and monster accoutrement and ephemera mm-hmm. all over and the big monster cake and it was adorable and I do not have a three-year-old. I love this three-year-old and their parents deeply. And so I went to the three-year-old birthday party. And, you know, you really haven't lived until you have made monsters with a gaggle of three-year-olds. So I highly recommend uh, maybe in line with the Zumba with the toddler. There's just something really joyful about how exciting a construction paper monster is. (laughs) And maybe I should be more excited about the construction paper monster also. Like, what have I lost in my 30 years <laughs> uh-huh. of being on this planet that a construction paper monster no longer excites me? Mm. So I'm going to work on that this week. I'm going to find some joy in the mm. little things. Thank you, three-year-olds. <laughs> um, that is all the time we have today. Katie Rubin from Theater of the Oppressed NYC, thank you so much for being here. It's been wonderful hearing about Theater of the Oppressed and legislative theater, and I can't wait for Wednesday. Me too. And Mark and Elizabeth, thank you once again for being here and joining us. This has been the rundown. I'm your host BJ Evans. My co-host is Elizabeth Crisunas. We're produced by Mark Pagan. Special guest today, Katie Rubin of Theatre of the Oppressed NYC. We're recorded at the podcast studio at Brick.
2: We'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks. Murder on the beat. We
3: to cut up to, you know? Yeah. Everybody get your motherfucking roll on. I don't shorty, and she doesn't want no slow song. Had a man
0: last year.